Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. And we'd like to thank you once again for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We'll be continuing our studies here in the book of 1 Thessalonians. We've been looking here in chapter number 4, verse number 17, which says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so last week we started an issue of looking at how the Apostle Paul speaks of the heavenly hope that's been given to us, the members of the body of Christ, those who have put their trust in the gospel message for today. The fact that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and how someone puts their trust in that and that alone is what gives someone salvation today. They're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise and have the guarantee of what the Apostle Paul is speaking about here when he is speaking about how that we will meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, we discussed a lot of that last week and this week I just want to do some things that kind of draw that contrast between the promise that is given to us, the hope that we have, and the hope that was given to the nation of Israel in time past, and how instead of having a heavenly hope, what has been promised to the nation of Israel is the fact that they have an earthly hope, and how everything that has been promised to them is related to a literal physical kingdom that is going to be established here on planet Earth. And this goes all the way back to, we turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter number 12. And we're going to see this covenant at the very beginning of the calling out of the nation of Israel here in Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to start at verse number 1 and read down through verse number 3. Which says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will shew thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And so we see how this promise, speaking of a nation that's going to come from Abram, and how this nation is going to be ruling over things on the earth, they're going to be the ones that are going to be giving the blessings to the people based on the fact of how it is that the other nations respond to Israel. Whether they bless them, then they would receive the blessings. And if they do not bless them, that they would instead curse them, then they would receive cursings instead of the blessings 
that they should have received. Now, if we turn over to the very next chapter here, to chapter number 13, we see how this promise goes from the things related to the fact that there's a nation promised to then actually speaking about the land that is going to be given to them. We're going to start in verse number 13 and read down through verse 17 of Genesis 13. It says, But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, After that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward, and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. So if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. So we see this promise of the land that's going to be given to Abram and to his seed. And this this is going to be that promise that goes from Abraham, and his name gets changed from Abram to Abraham, goes from Abraham to his son Isaac, goes from Isaac to his son Jacob, and it goes from Jacob to his 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And so we have this covenant speaking of the fact that the nation is going to be receiving blessings, that the other nations are going to be blessed through them. We have a promise of the fact that they're going to have the land that's being described here and how Abram was to be from where he was was to look in all four directions. It says that he was going to look north, south, east, and west. And all the land that he saw in all of those directions was going to be given to him and to his seed. And you see how it says in verse 15, it says, And to thy seed forever. So this is a promise that that land is going to belong to the nation of Israel. This is a promise that has been made to them related to the establishment of the kingdom and that fulfillment of the promise that has been made. And so that's why as you continue on, through the scriptures, you keep seeing over and over again how there's these references to the promise of the earth, this kingdom that's going to be given to them. If we go over to the book of Exodus, now it says go to Exodus chapter number 19, and we're going to see this discussion that happens, and we've shifted from Abraham, now we're going to be dealing with things related to Moses here and in Exodus chapter number 19 we'll start here at verse number 3 it says and Moses went up unto God 
And the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and I brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people, and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. So we have this covenant that's being made. Now, God is making this promise, telling them that if they obey this covenant, follow the things that are laid out, that he would make of them a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, the one thing that we do not see in this passage yet is the fact of God has not given them the actual covenant. Once they agree to it, then he lays out all of the things that are part of it. And that's the 613 parts of the law that make up this covenant that God says that they have to do. And if they do all of those things, that he would make of them a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is that same issue that you see if you go over into the book of 1 Peter in the chapter number 2 and he identifies the nation of Israel and calls them a royal priesthood because that is the promise that has been made unto the nation and how God is going to use them to establish the kingdom here on the earth. And so when we hear individuals start talking about that issue of that they're trying to usher in the kingdom or they think that they're part of the kingdom program, what they're really demonstrating by saying those things is they're demonstrating the fact that they do not understand the word of God in its dispensational context. That they're failing to follow the principle that's laid out in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. To study the shoe thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because they're not understanding that the truth that they're trying to pull out and say is them is not given to us today and it's given to the nation of Israel and the promise that had been made unto them. Now, we see as we look at these promises and this establishment of the kingdom that there's another piece of this. If we go over to Second Samuel chapter number 7, to where we're going to see talking about who's going to be sitting upon the throne in this kingdom. And God has made 
this promise with the nation of Israel, giving them exactly that information that they should understand. And here in 2 Samuel chapter number 7, we're now shifted from Moses, and now we're speaking about David here. We're going to pick up here in verse number 5 of 2 Samuel chapter number 7. It says, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shall thou build me an house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent in a, t- in a tabernacle. And in all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me in house of cedar? Now therefore so shall thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee the rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee in house. And when thy days be fulfilled, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and it will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So we have this promise that's being made of that the seed of David is going to be sitting upon the throne of the kingdom of Israel forever. You know, that's why you see in Matthew and Luke, the genealogies of the Lord Jesus Christ to demonstrate that he is of the seed of David, that he is the rightful heir to be sitting on the throne, ruling and reigning over the nation of Israel, that they would be able to see and understand that he is the one that was given to fulfill that promise which has been made unto the nation. And so, as we continue looking at these things related to the nation of Israel, let's go over to the book of Matthew now. And we get into the gospel accounts that individuals have this tendency to think that because we're now in Matthew, that we've shifted from all of those old things to now that this is new because it's the New Testament and thinking that this is applying to me. 
even though we see over and over again in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the issue of him speaking to the nation of Israel. He says in John 4, he talks about salvation is of the Jews. In Mark 1, it identifies that the gospel that's being preached, talking about the kingdom is at hand. That promise is ready to be fulfilled and ushered in. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15 and verse 8 talks about how the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was here on the earth, was fulfilling the promises that were made unto the Father. So that's why when we see the things that he's teaching, we see how it coincides with these promises of the kingdom that the nation of Israel was to be looking for. And so that's why even when we see how he starts talking about the issue of prayer here in Matthew chapter number 6, and we're going to read one of those prayers that you know so many people have memorized and they think that it applies to them because they've been taught this through the traditions that they've been raised in rather than just letting the words say what they say and understanding that as they look at those words that this is a promise that is not made unto us. And so when we pick up here in Matthew 6, starting at verse number 9, which says, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, as you just read through that prayer, you see how, you know, multiple times we see the issue of the kingdom being brought up in verse 10 and verse 13. You know, you see in verse 10, thy will be done in earth. How the earth was the focus of things. You'll get the issue of, you know, give us this day our daily bread. A promise that's going to be needed as the nation of Israel's in the 70th week of Daniel and they need God to be providing for the basic needs of their day-to-day life that's where this prayer promise here in Matthew 6 is going to be fulfilled with them as they're looking forward to the kingdom actually being established. And this is exactly what the apostles, the disciples were actually looking for is they had a focus of that the kingdom would be established. That's why if we go over to chapter number 24 of the same book in Matthew, and when you read through Matthew chapter 24, and it starts laying out a 
description and kind of a timeline of the things that are going to happen during the 70th week. We see how this is given to them as a result of the question that's asked at the very beginning of this chapter. We'll start here in verse 1 of Matthew 24. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to shew him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world. So, this is what they're asking for, and he gives them all of these details about what's going to happen you know, you see how in verse 14 it talks about the gospel, the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. So the gospel of the kingdom, that kingdom is what is actually in focus throughout this whole chapter as he's laying out these signs of what's going to occur as what they're looking for, the fact of his return to establish that kingdom, these are all of the things that are going to be necessary to happen. That's why even when we go to Acts chapter number 1, and we see how Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, how he begins this book here in Acts chapter number 1, speaking of you know, the things related to the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ and what it is that the disciples are saying to him before he goes up. And we're just going to read verse number 6 of Acts chapter 1. It says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel. So they have that focus of the fact that they're looking for the kingdom. That is the hope that they have and that they're looking for that to be established here on earth. And that's where verses 7 and 8 start talking about the things of that this is what's going to have to occur before those things happen. You know, before the eventual thing of where that's going to be established, if we go over to Revelation chapter number 19, and we're going to see how John, as he's recording the things of what it is that he has seen in this revelation given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll pick up here in verse number 11 of Revelation chapter number 19. And it says, And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. 
and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, this description, this is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is him coming to set up that kingdom on the earth to fulfill all of those promises and to bring about that hope that had been given to the nation of Israel. And how none of these things that we've looked at, none of this applies to who we are as the members of the body of Christ. This is Israel's hope. Last week we talked about our hope. And if you missed that episode, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's episodes. That way you can understand the hope that's been given to us, understand what we are to be looking for, and understand how what's been given to us, the members of the body of Christ who've put their trust in that gospel found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, what it is that we are looking for and why it is that the Apostle Paul records those things related to our hope and the promises that have been made unto us. Now, as we close here, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have some audio files of some previous messages. We have some charts to help you in your study of the Word of God. We have information about how to join our Wednesday night Bible study and our Sunday service live as they're being broadcast on Facebook. And also, if you happen to be in the Buffalo area on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., we meet at 83 Anderson Road in Cheektowaga, New York. We'd love to have you join us and study God's Word and have that time of fellowship with members of the body of Christ. And as always, keep fighting that good fight of faith, preaching this message to this lost and dying world.